0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome back to Talking Ship, everybody. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. And thank you so much for including us in that. I am Megan Fitzgerald.
2: And I am JP. Welcome aboard.
1: Welcome aboard, sailors. I kind of am in a very um, nautical outfit today. Yeah, I it's see it. Unintentional.
2: I'm, I mean, I'm kind of wearing like a Disney shirt, so...
1: Because well, we're all about happy endings today. <laughs> oh,
2: oh.
1: Um, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> We've made it. It's the finale. It we was... do have one more episode, to be clear. Right. Next episode will be a and a But this is... The episode we are talking about the happily ever after. We're actually covering a lot of ground on this episode, but like all of my favorite movies, it's going to end in marriage. Except Love Actually, which ends in an airport, and Ocean's Eleven, which ends in a parking lot.
2: Yes, so-woon.
1: So-woon.
2: So-woon. I love all of the oceans.
1: Me too. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those are movies that don't end in weddings. (laughs) This show does end in a wedding. So, again, if you have not watched the sixth season of Schitt's Creek, this is your last chance to pause. Pause. Stop it. Do it now. Go back. Play the daily.
2: Stop, drop, and roll yourself all the way over to your Amazon Prime account and just download it. And
1: download it. Put on your Brene Brown today. Put on your Keep (laughs) It today. Put on your Still Processing. Do not keep listening. If you haven't watched the sixth season, this is your last chance. Please leave.
2: Okay, everyone who is still here.
1: Oh, thank God they're gone. Yes, Guys, we've been needing to talk One about What an exclusive
2: those club this is.
1: Now that the real fans are here, <laughs> we're not a how to podcast, but this episode could also serve as a how to get married because we are going to walk <laughs> you down the aisle. If you, ooh, I know, of all the things you need to do to get to your happy ending, aka your marriage in the town hall of Schitt's Creek. But first. In order to see if you yourself might be in a relationship that is on your way to marriage, congratulations. This might be some relatable content. Relatable content. Relatable
3: content. Relatable content. Fade,
1: out, fade out, fade out, fade out, fade out. This is relatable content. And if you relate to any of the statements we're about to make, then you might be in a David Patrick relationship that is destined for happy endings. So you might be. In a David Patrick relationship, if the life you have together is secure, functioning, and stable. Those are really big words, but what I mean is you're not on the precipice of any big changes. There's not a whole lot of unknowns in your life. You're feeling pretty good about where you are.
2: Right. And a clear example of what is not is what Ted and Alexis are in this final season.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Because
2: you you just see it for them. You're like, your lives are going in two different directions and that's fine. There's no shame in that. You should acknowledge it and move on. mm -hmm. When you make it a big deal is when things get hurt.
1: Right. Or when you try to force something that wasn't there. I think it's really romantic the way they let each other go.
2: I know. I really do think it's like a perfect little breakup. You might be a David and Patrick if you both put each other's happiness above your own
1: Mm-hmm. I think that goes back to the Ted and Alexis thing. I think they do that, too. They do. You might be in a David and Patrick relationship if you have seen each other through some big moments or some tough moments in each other's lives.
2: And if you haven't, maybe you just haven't been paying attention. I mean, we have pretty obvious hair. Like, you have just it's it's red and oh, I have yeah. curly hair. But like, I can't imagine being in a relationship with someone who doesn't notice when you get a haircut.
1: Exactly. Or... Some big changes.
2: Some big changes. I
1: got an inch and a half trimmed <laughs> off. No one saw me through when I changed my hair. hair.
2: No, but I saw you the day of. And it you looked did really good. Of,
1: and you were supportive. Actually, you said, you said, oh my don't worry, God. it'll get better tomorrow.
2: <laughs> I did? You did. Oh, that's hilarious.
1: Yeah, well. And
2: uh, I see that as a truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, was I right?
1: You were right. I really love your curly hair. I know you've gone back and forth on it, but I I, I really like where it is now, too.
2: It's been a love-hate relationship my entire life.
1: Yeah. See how we are noticing changes in each other's lives? That's how uh, (laughs) David and Patrick are, too.
2: Uh, Yeah. Speaking of David and Patrick, you might be a David and Patrick yourself if planning your future seems to come together seamlessly, organically locally sourced
1: literally locally sourced literally
2: locally sourced
1: you might be in a david and patrick relationship if your friends and family have adopted this person as one of their own
2: you might be a david and patrick if you can embarrass the hell out of yourself in front of the other person and not be worried that you fucked it all up
1: Mm, okay now i understand what this is a reference to. yes
2: (laughs) yes because i imagine i mean like in some circumstances we're talking i mean i we're talking about the pee episode. Yes, 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 okay, cool. I can see that being a major reason for someone else being like, "He peed the bed."
1: Yeah, this is a red flag. Also, when Patrick gets on the Vicodin or whatever after his dental thick. He, oh he's yes, like, I'm a hungry, hungry hippo.
3: And he's like, "You're
2: so beautiful." beautiful. I was like, "Oh." That is so cute. Love that. Sweet.
1: That's love. You might be in a David and Patrick relationship if you find yourself doing things you never thought you would do for another person. Like play baseball. <laughs> Namely us. If you ever find us playing baseball, yeah, we're in love.
2: You might be a David and Patrick if the ring doesn't just fit the finger (parentheses fingers) it also fits you.
1: Wow. I'm,
2: yeah, a copywriter for K Jewelers now.
1: Oh, my God. Well, I'm more of a Shane Coe girl. And that one's for all the Bay Area people out there. You might be a David and Patrick if your partner fully sees you for all that you are. Mm. Just let that one yeah. sit.
2: My next one is pretty much the same.
1: Yeah, just um an, to
2: reiterate it. A,
1: a yes, and.
2: To yes and that. Mm-hmm. You might be a David and Patrick if all of your idiosyncrasies... Come off as charming little traits. Because Mm. guess what that means? You're perfect and you don't have to change.
1: You're perfect to me. Yes. Lovely. So, wow, man, if you sat there and thought, this is me, again, pause this podcast, go out and buy a ring or don't buy a ring. Just go out and take them on a hike. I... Usually I'm pretty good when I'm preparing for these podcasts of appreciating love and separating myself and being like fully happy with where I right. am as a single person. Preparing for this episode, uh, I felt very alone.
2: Yeah, preparing for this episode, I haven't really spent much time thinking about my own wedding, but right. now I'm fully making decisions in my head. I'm like, oh, wow. This oh, is- good.
1: Well, good, because your um, vision for your wedding has always felt a little underdone to me. So yeah, I'm it's glad very underdone because
2: I, I just don't see it. <laughs> When I find the person, I'll be like, I see it. It'll be Star Wars themed and no one will see it coming. I
1: hope not. (laughs) But before we get to the weddings, we're going to go back to I Love You. So we're going to talk about David and Patrick's I Love You. To recap, it is Singles Week and David tells Patrick that he's very stressed out because Alexis has told Ted that she loves him and David finds it cringy. And then Patrick says the following...
3: David, Yeah. listen to me. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is very brave, mm-hmm. very generous, OK? And
0: I don't want to add more stress to your day, but I love you. OK, so. so you just said that to me for the first time, knowing that it would make my day more stressful. That's correct. Because you know that I've never said that to anyone else, aside from my parents twice and one time at, at a Mariah Mar- Carey concert, I know, yeah. And I don't expect you to say
3: it back to me right now. You- Say it when you're ready. Just felt right to me in the moment. You're my Mariah Carey.
1: This is one of my favorite television I love you's of all time. It's very simple and it doesn't feel forced or planned. And despite everything about me and how I've, uh, I recognize that I come off on this podcast, I don't think I love you's should be planned. So I love this one because I think in a few sentences, it manages to encapsulate their entire relationship, this idea of what mm-hmm. we just said, really seeing somebody. And it also manages to be hilarious and romantic. So take notes, everyone. You can't plan, and I love you, but just just recognize uh, how well executed this one is.
2: Right. We have talked about grand gestures. We've talked about the significance of major plot points in... Your relationship Mm -hmm. and whether it's appropriate to celebrate them. And I am on the same page. I think the first I love you
0: Mm -hmm.
2: shouldn't ever be planned because I think if you're making it sort of a planned big event, it comes across as self-centered and selfish. It's like that Tom Cruise jumping on the couch. I'm in love.
1: I think what he says of it just felt right in the moment makes sense to me.
2: I would agree. And I think that like deep down, he knows that David is kind of like a. Mushy gushy yeah. romantic. And I think if he had planned it out, I think David would have been like, Well, you chose the wrong color of flowers. Yeah. And like this happened here. And he would have been able to use his wit to get around his actual feeling where, when catching him off guard like that, you see it happen. He's so flustered. You oh, really so see cute. it
1: like wash over him. Right.
2: And you see him kind of want to say it back right then, but also be David and not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. I think this happens a lot where one person is super ready to say it and the other person is not and I think sometimes it's about commitment level but I don't think that's the case here Patrick says it first I've been on both sides of saying it first or not saying it first and so in making the decision of you should tell someone you've loved them or not just a, a brief anecdote I once decided I was going to tell someone I loved them while in the middle of a soul cycle class no yes Because that is the power of a final sprint to shake it out by Florence and the machine. It's unstoppable. Yeah,
2: the devil's on your back and you had to (laughs) shake it out and say I love you. That is, I need more on this. We're going to take a little side tangent, just at least for my own education. Where were you in the room? So we know. I
1: was front row, as I generally am.
2: Front row center or like on the side? Front
1: row right facing the instructor.
2: Okay, and you're near a candle.
1: Near the candle. Okay,
2: where did this happen in the class? Did you happen in the beginning? No,
1: this is the final sprint. So, The final a lot sprint, of okay. She was saying a lot of, live your life to the fullest, have no regrets. What are you...
2: Look Holy- to the person to the right and tell them you love them. And you were like, that's actually perfect.
1: That's, that's <laughs> who I love. They weren't in the class. Trust me, they would never be caught dead in the souls. Wait,
2: they were in the class? They were not in the
1: class. So you just called? No, I didn't. I was in the class cycling to shake it out. And she was saying all these things. And I was like, I'm going to tell this person that I love them. Oh,
2: you decided. I in decided. The- okay, I thought you were saying... Shouted like, it. You were like that right then and there. You You and this person were both in the class together. And you just looked over and you go... I love you. And they're like, I can't hear you. What?
1: Soul Cycle is my Mariah (laughs) Carey concert. It wasn't that I was like, in this moment, made a plan to tell them because I don't like plans, but it was in this moment, I decided that I didn't want this person to go one more day on this earth without knowing that I loved them. And I think, Mm. I know, wasn't it nice to be in love? We were in love once. Um, Not with each other. Not with each other. Gross. (laughs) Gross. Ew. So I think my instinct was to say, I think almost 100% of the time, if you love someone, you should tell them. But I do think sometimes we catch ourselves thinking, I love you way too fast. So I don't think that's totally true. But I do think you are ready to say it. And this, I think, goes back to the point of what you were saying about it being selfless. I think if you can say it and be 100% fine with not hearing it back, then you're ready to say it. Because for me, it was just all about this other person. I just wanted to let them know. And I didn't think I was going to get it in return. And I did not. But it was okay with me because I just wanted them to know. And I think that's a good measure of when you're ready to say it.
2: I love that you dropped the bomb that they did not. Say it back.
1: No, they you. did not say it back. Um, so there's a you know the danger of Soul Cycle too. I mean,
2: honestly, this sounds like a pitch that HBO and, and Lena Dunham both need to hear.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's girls, but it's just in the Brentwood neighborhood of Los Angeles. <laughs> Nobody needs that show.
2: I've actually never been the first to say I love you. I think that's. Probably pretty close to David in the sense that I'm not usually the first to make the move.
1: No, yeah, that, that adds up
2: to me. Yeah, that adds up, right? It's not surprising at all. And I actually, the first time that someone said that they loved me in a genuine romantic way I had f- was fully preparing to break up with them because no. I know because I thought in my head I was like they must be getting bored because like it's not like the same sort of lust and high of the beginning of a relationship and I was like yeah I mean like now he like comes over and lays on the couch and I'm like I think he's probably bored and yeah, you've
1: never like recognized what it is to move into the love stage right exactly
2: and I literally I remember it he came and like sat on the ground and put his head in my lap and looked up at me and he was like I love you And I was like, Oh
1: (coughs) how did you feel? Did Um, you love him?
2: Yeah, I love I said yeah, I knew I loved him.
1: You were being defensive.
2: Yeah, it's like a David situation where I just didn't know.
1: (laughs) So sometimes it just takes a moment to be clear this person I said it to loved me too it just took them a moment
2: oh so they did finally they say did it They did
1: eventually say it. oh yeah. wow
2: what a journey Megan why do you keep taking us up and down I was like oh wow what a great little love story and then you were like they didn't say it back I was like that sucks for like, you Megan like, no, and then actually said- you were just dragging it out and trying to be a victim here and the victim of love <laughs>
1: he he pulled a David and eventually came around and said it
2: well, like Patrick gets his answer from David just by seeing his response. And you can tell that Patrick knows because yeah. he's not like, if you feel the same way, it's like when you feel like saying it, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Knowing that David needs time to process and decide, but also being so predictable from Patrick's point of view is a uh, very telling of the relationship.
1: Right. I think it's, you know, that goes back to seeing someone for all that they are. The general right. theme of the David-Patrick relationship.
2: and then. It kind of asks that question of what changes in David and what growth does he have to show to be ready for this commitment?
1: Yeah. So he goes and talks to Ted, Mm -hmm. who has just broken up with Heather. I know. And he gives Ted a, a little speech, a little monologue. Sounds a little like this.
0: I would hardly call myself an expert on this subject. And by subject, I mean genuine human emotion. So I am... Just going to tell you what I know. So you've been burned. A couple times. Um, have we met? I've been burned so many times. I'm basically the human equivalent of the inside of a roasted marshmallow. <laughs> um. But I think it's important for us to remember that sometimes. Sometimes it does work out. And um, even though everything inside us is telling us to protect ourselves. When you've got it. Don't let it go.
1: What I appreciate about this scene is that it's a a classic learn by doings.
2: Love by numbers.
1: I think some things you do have to learn by doing, like sex, I think you have to learn by doing. Right. Cooking, uh, I assume. I haven't tried it. Yeah, I've never seen you. (laughs) I think the other thing you have to learn by doing is vulnerability. Right. In this moment... He doesn't have experience saying I love you of being in that vulnerable place. But as soon as he has to offer wisdom to Ted, it becomes so clear to him that when you love someone, you can't let them go.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's that David isn't ready to say it Mm -hmm, when Patrick says it. I just think that Patrick has always been the one to realize what the next step is. Mm -hmm. Whereas David, I feel, likes to sit in whatever previous state, wherever they're at right now Mm -hmm. for as long as they can, because I think he is such a daydreamer. And I think he sees like what he imagines romance is, and then is afraid to either pursue that and be wrong. I think he just is comfortable having his daydream. But I do think that it requires him telling Ted. It's sort of like that, that idea that you like learn when you teach someone something. Yeah.
1: I also think it's not a matter of being ready or not ready for commitment. I think David is totally ready for commitment. I think to your point, he just has so many walls built up because people have burned him so much before that he is unwilling to make the leaps. But I think he's always wanted the commitment and the safety and the security of a relationship. And I think what's changed is that Patrick has provided him with safety and security and respect and understanding and adoration. And those things do change you. And now he can bring those walls down and take the next step joyfully and fully and confidently.
2: This is David's coming out. Yes. They learn a lot from each other. It's very Hallmark. It's really beautiful. I also think that David is um, the type of person who kind of gives those three words, I love you, more power than other people's do. Mm-hmm. He's only said it three times. Yeah. We, it would be safe for us to assume that Patrick has said it more than David has.
1: Yeah. I also love the moment with Ted because I think it's a really good lesson in when something's about you... We as people tend to be too wrapped up in our own problem to see mm-hmm. a way out. But as soon as we can see it clearly laid out as a problem between two other people that we care about, the answer becomes super clear to us. And that's what we're doing on this podcast. That was the idea behind this when it's about to other people, it's, like, so obvious, like, right. this is what you should do. So we're hoping that you all can pull a David through this content.
2: Really, this whole podcast exists so that we have sound bites for our friends to use when we don't believe in exactly. love.
1: Exactly. They're
2: like, oh, wait a second. are not Isn't this you? saying it
1: i would just like to play back a little something i heard from my friend (laughs)
2: exhibit a you believe in love i love how they are able to be corny Mm -hmm. and also be like meta about the corniness and just
1: yeah because i think corniness takes vulnerability too (laughs) you know uh okay so they're in love time goes on a little bit then we have the proposal we're at the end of season five I know we tend to talk about David being the one to have a vision, but Patrick fully had a vision here.
0: I know. He
1: takes David on a picnic, which is actually a hike into a picnic. Uh, And it basically all falls apart. The backpacks are really heavy. David's complaining. David's trying to get an eBay bid. Patrick hurts his foot. But then David ends up really stepping up and getting Patrick literally to the top of the mountain. And once they're there, this little proposal sounds a bit like this. What's going on?
3: So I used to come on this hike a lot when I first moved here, and I was I was developing feelings for this guy I'd just gotten into business with. And I didn't know what to do about it, because I didn't know if that guy had the same feelings or if I'd ever be able to muster up the courage to let him know how I felt. And now here he is. The love of my life, standing in front of me. <laughs> this just felt like the perfect place to ask you to marry me. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Easiest decision of my life. <laughs>
1: My thing about TV proposals and real proposals should be emblematic of the couple themselves. And so here's why I like this one. And here's why I think it is. I think on Patrick's end, Patrick is clear and confident and prepared as always.
2: Right. He is literally ready to take the next step. And David is daydreaming.
1: Yes. So from the start, we're set up quintessential David and Patrick. But then I think... If you were a critic of their relationship, which I'm not, we're not, but if you were, if you were more cynical and down with love, if you were Patrick's like crabby cousin or something. Or
2: Rebecca, Rachel. If
1: you were Rachel sitting with your friends, stalking them on Instagram, (laughs) you could argue that the kind of like last lingering concern you have about David and Patrick is that Patrick does a lot of caretaking And David tends to benefit from it. Right. Some could say that. So here's what the hike does is that I think it completely alleviates that concern. I think in the moment where Patrick kind of has a breakdown and wants to turn around, David sees how much this means to Patrick he does first aid, he apologizes, and then he pep talks and literally carries Patrick up the mountain. And then they get to the top and it you know ends up with him being like, just tell me what to do and I'll set it up. So I think what this proves is that the relationship is not uneven. They show up for each other in different ways and it looks a little different, but when it comes down to it, David will step up for Patrick as much as Patrick does for David.
2: Yeah, not to spoil all of season six but this is a running theme from the proposal up to the wedding Mm -hmm. is that we see patrick thinking ahead and wanting to protect david from things that can set him off Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and then we see david stepping up to the plate and going beyond himself to recognize patrick's needs and I think it's just one of the major lessons we get from this relationship.
1: I agree. Yeah, it's it's I think ugh, love changes you and love makes you do things you weren't even you didn't yeah. know you were capable of right. probably weren't capable of five seasons ago, six seasons ago.
2: Love will make you do things that are kind of out of character, mm-hmm. but when you really look at it, they're in your character. Right.
1: They were there the whole time. They
2: were there the whole time. Yeah. You see people being like, oh, you've changed or you're mm. acting different. Yeah. What is the reason? It's because I'm in love. love. Um, I love that this proposal has a physical activity attached to it because I think physical activities are really play a big game in their relationship. Huh. Yeah. Well, we'll constantly see like David being like, hey, Patrick, go do this thing. He's like always trying to get out <laughs> of doing something physical. yeah. yeah, yeah. And the proposal then requires David to be the most physical we've seen him true, be. True, true, compromise. Yes, and what's funny is that Patrick, in the other circumstances, is very good at getting David to see that him doing the task will lead to whatever idea of, of a lesson he'll he'll mm-hmm. get out of it. Mm-hmm. Where here, I, Patrick kind of like gives up. Yeah. You see him have this very clear yeah. vision so of what this proposal hide. is going to be. And it slowly gets worse and worse. And I think if Patrick had stayed on the level of it will work, it will work. I will keep fighting for this proposal to happen the way I see it. Then David wouldn't have any need to step up mm-hmm. to the plate. And then yeah. it would be a boring proposal.
1: And I think it would have fell off balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love the hike. I love the picnic. I, I know that I've said mm. I want a viral proposal <laughs> in the past. And I want to be clear, I'm mostly kidding.
2: You are not mostly kidding.
1: <laughs> but if it wasn't viral, I think this is really good. It's personal. There's cheese. We
2: love a cheese board.
1: We love a cheese board. We love champagne. Who can ask for anything more?
2: That is a really sweet sentiment, Megan. Thank you. I don't believe it, but it's very sweet. I love that you think that you would be so content with this proposal. Like, I think that if you were david and you got up there and patrick proposed to you you would immediately be looking around at the bushes waiting for your your childhood best friend to pop up behind a tree your mom to come down and scale and like be like okay so where's everyone else
1: uh well i feel properly uh red filth um <laughs> would this be an acceptable proposal for you no <laughs> no why is it too much
2: no it's not i it would be acceptable any any proposal would be acceptable okay like, well
1: i don't agree with that but... i don't
2: really agree with it i think there would be some I'd just be like what why are we doing this this way
1: there's some bad proposals
2: there are but i think the reason why it for me it wouldn't work for me is that i would be like so we hiked all the way up here and now you want us to open up a bottle of champagne and now we got to hike you back down and now I have got to be drunk and carry you. I'm like, You're I'm like a like hundred pounds wet. That's not true, but I wish. Could you imagine if I was that small? I'm just a, a me- just a measly meek. hundred pounds wet and I have to carry you. I'm I'm like the one to be carried.
1: Mm, okay, good. Noted. Okay, everyone take notes.
2: <laughs> if you want to propose to
1: me, you have to carry me. Okay, so actually, to be fair, now we're at season six. So if you still kept listening, Mom and Dad, I just this is your last chance to pause because now we're gonna start talking about season six. It's hard to end a TV show. We've seen so many shows not end well, but I think Yeah, we've seen shows
2: iconically end poor like just awful. Yeah. We could Um, name just too many that's a different podcast.
1: Yeah, ending TV shows. (laughs) Yeah. Talking that would just be talking shit.
2: That'd be just talking shit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Talking shit ending.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: I also want to point out, uh, Twyla actually can read tarot cards because she tells Alexis she sees her family with a big glow around them. Like everyone has something to celebrate and they do. So good for Twyla. She's a millionaire and she can read tarot cards.
2: I love that little nugget that they added because it had just so much comedy to the whole show like the entire time if they had just learned that at the very beginning they probably could have convinced her to give her them a couple million I know, and then they would be they'd be back where they were
1: but she's such a great like i feel like Twilight is i don't know if i'm using the word foil correctly but she's such a great foil to them because she had the money the whole time and chose to stay in schitt's creek i think
2: that is a yeah. good use of that word
1: okay great I think you use um it correctly. Yeah, so I think that's, like, a lovely little button. Other season six things having to do with David and Patrick. Um, right. We'll we'll try to, like, get through these pretty quickly so we can get to the, the happy ending. But real quick, Jake returns. Dun,
2: dun, dun. Dun, dun,
1: dun. Makes them a table and then invites them over for a little whiskey. Do you think they would have had a threesome?
2: I ultimately do not think they would have. Okay. I think that if it had been someone that David had not previously been with, mm-hmm. I think maybe we could have seen it played out. But I think David just is like a territorial kind of person already that I feel like he either would have felt weird about their connection or I think he just would have been too conscious of what Patrick is going through and what Jake is going through.
1: Yeah. I wonder if they're ultimately too jealous of people. Right, Jealousy is
2: a big reason why I don't think that Patrick would have gone through with it. Because I think it's just so early on. I mean... We don't really actually know the timeline of this whole, because they, we could go into it. But anyway, I just think that if Patrick had gone so quickly into having a threesome with someone, it just doesn't really fit his character breakdown.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was surprised how okay he was with it.
2: Right. I love that the the show does a really good job of touching these queer topics Mm -hmm. in relationships uh, without going so far into them that they have to make a stance on it.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe one day there'll be a couple that does that. I have never been in a threesome while being in a relationship. But, you know, some people love it. So maybe one day they'll get there and they'll be comfortable because they did show up with a cute shirt and some cologne. So
2: Some people really love it. Some people love groups. Some people love parties. It's a great way to explore with your partner at some point if you open it up in the right healthy way to do it. And uh, it happens in Chick's Creek and no one is judging it. Yeah. We don't ever hear anyone judge it.
1: Another really nice little season six moment that I also feel like could be on your how to get married is Patrick's relationship with the family and how the family really fully does bring him in and how he's excited to be a part of the family and there's this really lovely episode that I love where David and Moira go wine tasting uh, at Herb Ertlinger's winery fruit winery and Patrick and Johnny stay behind and watch baseball and you've brought up this parallel before between Moira and david and johnny and patrick right first of all i just think it's beautiful fan service to bring back herb ertlinger because that's like an iconic season one moment but i think what's even more meaningful in this is this specific parallel that moira speaks to also appreciate about moira is that she really loves to keep things on theme uh she says you and patrick are two good grapes different tannins different notes but together you make a good blend and then she's right. talking about uh, Johnny and Patrick, and she says, "Just because their notes are more subtle doesn't mean they require any less attention." <laughs> and I think that speaks to the strength of Moira and Johnny's relationship, which we don't talk, we haven't talked much about, but I think they're such a good example of also similar to David and Patrick balance.
2: They have, I mean, they are goals they in are. the stand we never see, I mean we see them struggle at the beginning yeah. with their relationship but not in a way that you think it's going to end no you see yeah. like they have gone through so much together
0: yeah. yeah and
2: it's just a testament like that's when you're of that age, if you can be with someone and still talk about them in a, like, very loving, mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly yeah. sexual way. I love when the police officer is like, is, uh, do you know this man? And she was like, well, that is my husband. Yes.
1: And she's like, your father and I have been making beautiful wine together for 40 years. Yes.
2: <laughs> I love the wine metaphors. Wine
1: metaphors. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, this it whole episode...
2: Is a bunch of callbacks.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. They like draw it back to the wine metaphor too. It makes sense to me that Moira can give the advice of Patrick sees you for all that you are. Because I think that's what Moira and Johnny do for each other too.
2: Yeah, Patrick does give us proof that he is a fixer-upper. There are people that people just like are attracted to people who need a little help.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I think again, that's like the Johnny-Patrick Parallel right. is that they have to. They do a they lot. They see the of,
2: potential. They see the business plan.
1: Yeah, and they understand that their significant other need a lot. Like they and have are this u- conversation. Unique. Yeah, they're they're unique, and they have this conversation where Patrick's like, "I am going to take care of your son and protect him from." all of the things that can set him off. And there are many things that set him off. And mm-hmm. Johnny goes, oh, I know. And I think that's very true of Moira, too. Right. Uh, I and- mean, she's,
2: there's multiple episodes where she's in the closet. Yes, yes
1: exactly. <laughs> and I think I really love when Patrick and Johnny come and pick Moira and David up, because I think it's a nice little hint into the future. Of, <laughs> like This is going to be their next 40 years altogether.
2: I think the lesson in Johnny and Moira is understanding your significant other. And like letting them process the way that they process things. Johnny doesn't try to get her to snap out of it, like, come on, come on, get out
0: of here. Mm-hmm. Like
2: all that. He's not aggressive or anything. It's kind of like, yes, I know. Hello. Can you hear me in there? Yep, <laughs> like, yep. how are you, do- you still alive? Like, OK, just doing her thing and then goes and like keeps running. To, like, I'll be at the desk.
1: Yeah. And is like tries to like maybe smooth things over with Herbert Linger, but as you know, doesn't blame Moira for it. No, nope. like just kind of moves on. Yeah. I just think the whole Patrick and the family thing is Goals and the way Patrick is so excited to be a part of this family. That scene at the end of the episode where Moira comes and like snuggles in Alexis's bed, mm-hmm. and they all have this like little moment of a family roasting Alexis about the cult. That's what I want my future partner to feel around my family is really feeling adopted. Yeah. To be you, f- part of the crow's roost. What's a flock of crows? It murder. has a specific name.
2: It's a murder.
1: A murder. Yes. To be part of the murder.
2: Crows also are um they hold grudges. Really? Yeah, they do. If a crow like gets killed somewhere, they, they will remember your face. If a crow like died and all the other crows saw it, they'll be like, that person was there. For Did you. you
1: write the crows have eyes?
2: <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler Inside alert. edition.
1: Okay. Back to marriage. Actually not quite yet. But this is another big life thing. The whole sixth season, a lot of big life changes. Yes,
2: a lot of moments.
1: A lot of big moments. So this is, I think, a really big thing that a lot of couples go through is this idea of where are we going to have our life together? Mm. And this comes up for David and Patrick because in the final season – Johnny, Stevie, and Roland get the deal for Rosebud Motels to franchise. David tells Patrick we're moving to New York and then later finds out that Patrick has put in an offer on a house. (sighs) So then David and Stevie go to the house to see it. Mm -hmm. And they have this conversation.
0: No, I was just thinking about how Patrick must have driven out here and knocked on that door and asked those people to call him if they ever planned on selling just because I... I said it was nice. Who does that? Good people. Good people do things like that. Hence the reason why we don't understand it. Can I ask you a question? Yes. What is it about New York? I have big dreams. And you can't have those dreams here? Why do you want to go back to a place that's done nothing but hurt your feelings? Because I want those people to know that I'm not a joke. And that I've won.
1: David, look at this place. You won. Just a beautiful scene. She's crying.
2: You can't see us right now, but she's crying. She's crying. Megan's over there crying.
1: I relate to David's sentiment because I love revenge. (laughs) And I love New York City. But I really love revenge. (laughs) Me
0: too.
1: I'm just kidding. Kind of. Not really. As a petty person, um, I do understand – it's not even as a petty person. I think it's as a dreamer, as we talked about with David earlier, as a daydreamer. I understand this impulse of my success has to look like this. And I have to show everyone that I've made it. And especially this idea, what he says is I have to show everyone that I'm not a joke. Mm. And I think for many, many creative people, artists, dreamers, that hits really hard. And I think that because for a lot of those people, the people around you have a very specific idea of what it means to be successful, what it looks like to be successful Mm -hmm. as an artist, as a creative, et cetera. So I do understand this idea of I need to show them that I've won. I need to show them Mm -hmm. that I am not this joke of a person that they treated horribly but what I think you know all of this show is about but especially the David Patrick relationship is that sometimes success and making it in happiness isn't going to look like what you thought it would look like and I think that in letting go of that vision to roast myself this is some audio that you can play back for me one day
3: I can't Sometimes
1: wait. allows something even more authentic to who you are and something more vibrant and something stronger to emerge when you least expect it. And I think that's what's happened here in Chitts Creek, the relationship mm-hmm. and the house.
2: Revenge is one of my favorite flavors, mm-hmm. and pettiness does actually turn me on. <laughs> I love when people are being petty about something. I just, I don't know why. It just, it's just
0: like so fun. It's okay.
2: so fun. I love being petty mm-hmm. in a in a healthy way. But I think if you are doing it too soon, you are celebrating too soon. Then the universe is going to Moira Sunrise Bay slap, slap you, you in mm-hmm. the face. Slap, slap, slap.
1: Good fan service there,
2: JP. I think distance is a big factor in season six with in the family, how they've been separated at times, and with the relationship of Alexis and Ted. Anytime that you move the relationship out of where it has been growing, they just add so many different variables to the relationship that you have to take into consideration. David might be really comfortable with New York, but... I mean, I can't see Patrick no being in there. No, I could see him adjusting to it but not wanting to be there forever.
1: Yeah, I agree. I do think, because, you know, obviously we think they're a strong couple, that they could have survived it. But I think this whole idea of distance and that being such a big part of the sixth season goes back to this, you know, the heart of the show and that sometimes good people are all you need. And Shits Creek is kind of this insular little city where I was going to say only good people are allowed in, but I don't think that that's it. I think that it's that this town and the people in it bring out the goodness in everyone. The Schitt's Creek sign, um, which we also see again in the final episode, says where everyone fits in. So here, when David is presented with this chance to go back to his old life where he didn't fit in, I think is important for him to have to make this choice, because I think in life in general, we do have to let go of toxic people if they have affected our decisions in a negative way. And I think this show is a really good lesson in that in general, is like, let go of what doesn't serve you.
2: What the show plays with in the last season is having the characters have to make the choice Mm -hmm. of if they're going back to their old ways Or continuing on this new path. Because the big super objective, especially for Moira and Johnny, is to get out. Mm -hmm. Is that she's constantly still calling it a, uh, what does she call it, Uh, a layover. When she calls it
1: to Alexis, she calls like, uh, you're not the first to fall in love with your captor. Yes.
2: (laughs) So I think that having these old materialistic ways coming back into their life and them having to make the choice do I go back or do I move forward where I'm at now Mm
0: -hmm.
2: is the big lesson that is being taught. Right.
1: And I think all of them choose in different ways. They are going back, but they are going back a lot of the times with what Shit's Creek taught them. And I think a lot of what Shit's Creek taught all of them is that they are good people and that they deserve more. Like Moira goes back with more dignity into the industry than she's ever Mm -hmm. had before negotiating herself this great contract. Johnny goes back into business with people who aren't going to stab him in the back like they did with Rose Video. And Alexis goes back with confidence and no attachments to men flying solo. And I think for David the choice to stay makes sense because now his decisions aren't informed by what toxic people thought of him. They're informed by the people who have helped him find home here.
2: Um, I don't think that this house, though, will be their forever home. I imagine them leaving within a year. If the farm is that close and smells that That bad, bad. (laughs) I truly do not see how David is going to be able to do it. And how do you get into that next phase with the family?
1: Bow, bow.
2: You kind of sound like a sports version. Well, that sounds like a kind of annoying club.
1: Please do not make that sound when I walk down the aisle. (laughs) I want an acapella group. I'm just kidding. Don't, Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. But it's a nice option. It works out really well. It depends wedding.
2: on how trendy it is. Yeah,
1: at the time. I might have heard enough acapella for my entire life, to be quite honest. Oh, I same. I went to school.
2: Um, when people send me acapella videos, I'm just like, I don't care.
1: What is it? 2011? Yeah, I've seen Pitch Perfect. <laughs> okay. So, the wedding. Okay. Wedding episodes generally give me anxiety because, especially in a comedy, because they almost always go wrong and they are
2: anxiety inducing
1: they are anxiety inducing i think they're designed to be that way but i just i take it very personally because almost always the david like character has to be adaptable or uh, perish basically and i don't really like this very darwinian wedding storyline they make me feel like i'm gonna have to be adaptable on my wedding day and that my wedding day is going to be a disaster, and I maybe have accepted that it will rain on my wedding day a long time ago, because I understand karma. But I do think JP, I'm glad that you have watched the sixth season of Chids Creek so closely, because David getting married is the, the exact vibe that I will be serving you. Pageantry that takes months and months to plan is what we're gonna is what you're in for.
2: I bet you thought 27 Dresses was a drama. Drama. Yeah. I I bet you were watching that being like, this is the most stressful, high stakes drama I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: And there is an action sequence in the end. She's running in heels. She jumps. There's a stunt.
2: And then you remember it's Catherine Heigl and you're like, wedding episodes are to you as coming out episodes are to me.
1: Yes. I think that's fair. Also, I want to say this is not the most stressful wedding on television. I think the most disastrous wedding on television is the girl's wedding, is Allison Williams. Yes. <laughs> that is the worst wedding on TV.
2: Oh my God, her makeup. Her makeup. Right before she walks the down rain. the stairs.
1: <laughs> and it's like not the person she should be marrying. And
2: it's like the start of a season.
1: Yes. It's so bad. So stressful. I couldn't do it.
2: It's so bad, so stressful that even the scene where all of the guys are sitting in a room just chatting stresses me out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: I'm like, what are you guys doing?
1: <laughs> it's the wedding's falling heart. You're not taking any action. And I anything. will give it to Shits Creek. I do love the town rallying behind the wedding to save it, I think, is very on brand and a really lovely way to wrap up the show because the wedding is also the finale.
2: The way that our television is written, that's a great yes. way to end a show. Mm-hmm. A lot of shows in series with weddings. Because it's really easy way to bring a bunch of characters together and give closing stories to even the small characters. Yeah. And then also be able to launch off a couple into their new life. Mm-hmm. And it's like just enough where you feel satisfied of the closing and just enough where you feel hopeful that there could be a reboot.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think wedding finales have like an extra responsibility because they have to be an ode to the entire show and an ode to the couple. I'm very critical of finales because I'm sappy, but I think Schitt's Creek did an amazing job. And um, here's why. 22 minutes, not a wasted moment. And I think it's great because each character is still very, very true to themselves. And yet in the episode, they demonstrate the growth that they've shown over the six seasons, especially Moira. I just think it's a really beautiful moment to see how, Secretly the whole time, Moira did appreciate this town. So they do that very well and to manage to make it seamlessly a part of the wedding. Not that seamlessly. She's pretty obviously a part of the wedding. Right. That, costume.
2: that The whole hat, the whole wig, the makeup, the gloves. They do a really good job of including minor characters in this we kind of get a little button on each of them we get bob it's a request for a parking space to be be open for gwen if she comes back which is so funny uh and then we get ronnie poking fun at patrick mm-hmm. and just all of them coming together and yes. making the solution because i remember thinking while watching all of the sixth season and seeing david and patrick choose these event spaces and, like, pick this really expensive food and being mm. like, oh, that doesn't really feel like Shits Creek, though. Yeah. Like, it's not going to end up being that, right? Like, right. they're going to use the cafe. Like, you have to have it in
1: the town hall. The it has town to hall. be with the jazz gals. It has to be yeah. everyone, like, coming together because that's, that's what the town is. And, you know, had a wedding fallen apart in New York City like that, you wouldn't have had an entire community of people to rally together and make the wedding happen. So, you know, I think another beautiful thing that finales can do very well and weddings can do very well is bring back a nice little callback to earlier seasons and mm-hmm. do that with music. And first of all, just bless the jazz of gals.
2: Yeah, bless them. I haven't seen all of the Pitch Perfect movies. I don't even know how many they were out there. Like it's Movie number seven now, but yeah. I just feel I'm going to pitch that the next one should include a crossover with the Jazabells yes. as like a contestant that they're playing against or something.
1: Yeah, Loki, the Jazzical House are actually very good. So good. So good. So the first song that they sing as they walk down the aisle is Precious Love, which is the song that plays in the end of, I think, the second season with the Barn episode. And it's when we kind of see the Rose family accept. The love of Schitt's mm-hmm. Creek. It's right after Johnny has told off that snobby couple at the restaurant in Elmdale. And the whole family is dancing together right. to Precious Love. So that's the first song that the Jazz girls sing. When, we love an Easter egg. We love an Easter egg. And then obviously just it's perfect when David walks down the aisle. We get Simply the Best.
2: Them including Simply the Best at the wedding really justifies Simply the Best as part of the show yeah, because I think it could have easily have just been a moment in the relationship Mm -hmm. but instead having it at the wedding sort of allows it to personify the whole relationship as a whole I think that it also shows that David has found himself in a town that he just cannot leave behind
1: yeah okay another thing that can um, either make or break a wedding finale are the vows and it's hard, I think, in a, a half-hour comedy because you have to make the vows pretty short and right. snappy. And I think they do a very nice job. Again, some fan service. Patrick singing Mariah Carey. Hmm. I would have listened to the whole song, but I understand that they only got a snippet. And I think it's the correct snippet. Yeah, probably the um, rights to that are not cheap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's simple. It's an inside joke between the two of them. It's fan service for everyone who loves the You're My Mariah. Uh, 10 out of 10.
2: If my husband sang to me at my wedding with a voice like that, I would just have to punch him in the face because I just don't know how you just hear that and not want to make out with don't him. Don't kiss them. yeah. But yeah, like he's just got such a good voice. I
1: know, so good. I, I had a friend at her wedding after her husband almost husband, moments from being husband, said his vows. She goes, can I just kiss him now? And oh, it
2: was so sweet. Vows are really hard, Yeah, in, not just in television, but in life. Yeah. Because- I mean, I went to one where the guy gave a whole timeline of the relationship oh
1: God, no, to her
2: though. So she's like sitting there like nodding her head like, Yes, yep, that's I know. Happened. Yeah, and his is like his was so like and then we we did this and then this and it went on for so long. And then hers was like a poem. She got like two lines in and was like sobbing. Vowels usually just really showcase the people who are getting married yes
1: yes have someone like a third party look at both of your vows yeah so that you know if they're really off tone from one another like if one's just joking the whole time and the other's being sweet that's so awkward
2: right or one person wrote theirs and the other person is using a Mm pre-written one yeah it just, I mean, some people just are not creative in that way and it really stresses them out. Right.
1: And then and then hire a ghostwriter. Hire us. We'd be great at this.
2: Yeah. We'd be so good at this.
1: Or just sing Mariah.
2: Yeah. Just, there are some things you can do. And if you don't have a good one, maybe you do that really annoying thing people do at weddings where they just like whisper to each other. Right. right because right. I'm like, why am I here?
0: Why,
1: why Why did you need me? Why do you, you need me sitting this? here? You
2: were sp- I can't hear you. Do the thing.
1: <laughs> Excuse me. Ding, what ding, are, ding ding what is ding I'd like to make a
2: toast, and that toast is that we amp up the mics. The
1: volume, please. <laughs> yes.
2: Okay. I'm gonna accept if it now. You
1: were just gonna like read it to each other. You could have done that behind a tree right. before the wedding.
2: Exactly. Jesus. But if you're gonna do it in front of us, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. But back to David back and Patrick. To
1: David and Patrick. I cows. think
2: it is a very smart choice for them to have given Patrick a musical vow. Yes because it helps really close his whole musical arc mm-hmm. as a way of him find, ex- expressing himself and exploring himself. If we didn't have the musical and we just had him singing at the open mic and then here at The vowel it might've been pretentious, which I don't know if you can call someone's wedding pretentious. Be- yeah, because weddings are just pretentious in
0: general.
1: Okay, let's talk about David's.
0: Patrick, I've never liked to smile as much as I like yours. I've never felt as safe as I do when I'm with you. I've never known love like I have when we're together. It's not been an easy road for me, but knowing that you will always be there for me at the end of it makes everything okay. Patrick Brewer, you are my happy ending.
1: I just think it confirms all our suspicions. Our suspicions that David likes Patrick. Right. But I think, you know, liking a smile, feeling safe with him, that's the essence of of what David gets from Patrick. And I think they say it simply and very well and very right. beautifully.
2: And uh, it pretty much just says David is agreeing with everything that we have talked about.
1: Yes, exactly. David agrees with us and he makes the happy ending joke.
2: I know. I love when a title, when they say the title. You do? i mean it's just it's like a little nugget when they do it i don't know i haven't actually seen four weddings and a funeral or whatever but i imagine they're like we've been to four weddings and a funeral <laughs>
1: that, but that's so funny uh yeah it is a nice little easter egg but i i love it because it's an inside joke and again they managed to make it sweet and hilarious and meta and a callback all in one mm. chef's kiss
2: I think it's smart that they included it in the speech because we see the... It's so funny that they put in a argument that is potentially a really big problem right. in someone's relationship. Yeah. You ch- essentially cheated on your soon-to-be husband, the day of your wedding. Yeah. But them including it in this moment allows it to be a laughable. We know it's not going to be taken so seriously. Right. It's probably something they will laugh about and joke about yeah. w- in the coming years when they're recounting their wedding. Yeah,
1: they do say, they're like, this will be a funny story one day, huh? And it,
2: it really works, too, because he's like, you're my happy ending. You're my happy ending. We- this doesn't matter. And we get to see that little bit of jealousy that Patrick has yes. pop up, and it gets subdued by it
1: yeah and we do see him like he like acknowledges the joke and like softens into Mm -hmm. it i just think it's a nice little everything's going to be okay i really do think it will be a happy ending is this the way you left me i'm not pretending is this cheetah
3: girls
2: what is this i don't know i was gonna say are you doing shakira
1: Okay, so that's that's the literal happy ending. Yeah, it's done. It's done. <laughs> Moira and Johnny drive into the distance. David and Patrick presumably move into the Kate Winslet house. So let's talk about our predictions because unlike a Parks and Rec, we don't get a time, a time jump. So Thank we don't you. know what right. happens to them. So let's talk about what we think happens to them. So when David tells his family that he's not living, leaving Schitt's Creek, he says, I'm not done here yet or something to that effect. And I've always felt so torn about what I want to happen for them and what I think happens for them because I feel like I'm someone who's constantly torn between like goal setting and as David says, like I have big dreams and also wanting to be present and appreciate what's right in front of me and what's great about the little life that I've built So part of me, the big dreamer part of me, still does hope that David and Patrick eventually do get to expand the business, which I think they both want to. And maybe they end up franchising Rose Apothecary, Mm. just like Rose Video. And then they lose all their money and the cycle repeats. (laughs) Just kidding. I I see them.
2: them. Taking their business model and applying it to other small towns as a way to, like, personalize the experience. Um, I could see them traveling to small towns and David hating it and secretly loving it.
1: Right. Like, going to other small towns, finding the local vendors there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I do – I can see them keeping their home base in Schitt's Creek because I think – I hate this phrase. I really don't like it as a phrase, but I think what this show is about, to be writing on a a painted wood block Uh that you'd buy at Target, I think it's a very home is where the heart is show.
2: Ew, Megan. That is so corny. But we just talked about corny as a way of being vulnerable. So I appreciate your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I hope you learned from your mistake. (laughs) No, but it is a big lesson that is learned. Yeah. And it is taught in this little show.
1: And I think that that, Applies as we kind of said earlier, to the whole family. Because even though they are separate, they're scattered across the country or North America, depending if you think Schitt's Creek is in Canada or in the United States, but it doesn't matter where they are. They have found home in each other. Blah, blah, blah. Feelings, 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 feelings.
0: Feelings, feelings, feelings.
2: feelings. You've talked about the sign already, and I think the addition, the last where we get to see the roses' faces on the sign... Really just shows how much influence they had on the town. Right. And I think they'll always have a little bit of them in Schitt's Creek. Yes. Which is that really, oh, I love that they got what they wanted and I got what I wanted, that they got to stay.
1: Yes, yes. But
2: really, they got to go and do what
1: they did. Exactly. I think it's a nice balance. Yeah, so I think for David and Patrick, I I think their home is going to be where they met and where they found each other being surrounded by these people who love them and nourish them and sing simply the best at their wedding. And so I, I can see them staying. And it never really gets addressed except when Patrick's on Vicodin being a hungry, hungry hippo. I do think they end up having kids. I can see them having two kids that Patrick coaches on a baseball team and Alexis loves to dress them up and... David teaches them about Oprah, and I just I can see it for them.
2: I think that they probably, if they do have kids, I think it's twins.
1: Ooh, cute!
2: I think it's twins, and I think it's like a boy and a girl. And the boy is very much like either very much like Johnny, and the other one's very much like Moira, or Mm -hmm. it's like very much like Patrick and very much like Alexis. And David, it still feels like the black sheep of the family, where he's he's like like, I have bred more of my family into this world. What? How, Ah."
1: How have I done this? I think
2: David would make a great Will make a great father. I don't think that yeah. he probably thinks he would, but I—it's very clearly part of Patrick's brand yeah. that he is just gives off dad vibes,
1: right? Definitely, yeah. But, but I think it's secretly as part of David's too, because we see David's been taking care of Alexis kind of for years. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the one that like cared.
2: He uplifted Stevie. Yeah. He uplifts mm-hmm. his mom. Yes. yeah. He does I, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I could see him um, confronting his kids' bullies.
1: Yes. Oh my and gosh. a very
2: uh and then sort of getting bullied himself yeah, by the or bullies.
1: Getting bullied on the PTA.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then accidentally sort of like Moira joining the council. Exactly. He would end up leading the PTA. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> He'll end up being class dad and Wow, they really shouldn't cancel it.
2: We have so much we should pitch these.
1: Guys, uh, we're available.
2: Yeah. Shits <laughs> Creek Elementary.
1: Oh, our send off for our own um drive into the distance. So before we wrap up... Our
2: paddle down the creek.
1: Our turn around the riverbend. So, JP. Yes. To you, Mm -hmm. what do you think it means to be in a David and Patrick relationship? And why does it work?
2: I think what it means to be in a David and Patrick relationship is that opposites attract. Mm -hmm. They have so much that is just very different. If you are a complete stranger and you saw them, you'd probably be like, they're a couple. Mm -hmm. They just aesthetically look different, kind of hold themselves, carry themselves through the world differently. But they have so much that is just fundamentally the same that instead of making those things that are different become opposing, they complement each other. And that is called power clashing. But that's essentially their power clashing as a couple. Because they are just so compatible in this power clashing way that they've already started to marry their lives together that mm-hmm. by the time they have the wedding, it just makes sense. Like some people you see a wedding happen, and it kind of feels like a them proving that their relationship is going in the right direction. Yes. If they didn't get married if the show had ended in season five, mm-hmm. they just we didn't get the season six the, of them getting married. We could all picture in their head them getting married,
1: yes, yeah. I think some people get married to, like, put a stake in the ground and yeah. be like, nope, look, we're good. We're going to prove to you all how good exactly. we are by getting married. Whereas this is like, of course you're getting married. Of course.
2: And that's why it works, yeah. is that when it just makes sense, it's just logical.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Same
2: question, back at you.
1: So here's my little thesis. So in the scene where Stevie and David sit on the car and look up at the Kate Winslet cottage, David is talking about Patrick and how cute it is. That he went up and asked the owners, you know, if you ever sell this place, let me know because I would want to buy it. And he asks Stevie, he goes, who does that? And Stevie says, good people. Good people do that. And that's why we'll never understand. So there's this like ongoing like narrative or joke that Patrick is a good person and David and Stevie are less so, blah, blah, blah. But I think the thing is that David... (laughs) is a good person Mm -hmm. and patrick always knew that he saw it from the very 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 beginning and noted it kind of when no one else did and i think for david david always wanted love he he had a wedding book you know (laughs) he always had
2: exposed himself on that one yes
1: he did uh he always had the capacity for love all of the roses did and i think In a way, the David Patrick relationship encapsulates the whole show because it's about finding the people that see you and love you for all that you are. They don't require you to change or give them anything in return. It's not a transactional relationship like the relationships they had before coming to Shit's Creek. It is pure, simple, precious love that brings out the best in you, and I think that's transformative. But I think the David and Patrick of it all is that sometimes you find that in the most unexpected of circumstances. And hopefully when you are presented with the opportunity, you've done the work on yourself and you are at a place to open yourself up to the possibility of this kind of love that will transform you even more, even if it doesn't look the way you thought it would.
2: It probably won't.
1: It probably won't. <laughs> it, you could also give yourself the little Alexis Rose speech of what you thought your little your lock and key would look like. And sometimes a little key comes along that doesn't look like the way you thought it would. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's the whole show is sometimes happiness is going to look different than you thought it would. And you have to let your walls down and let those people into your life because I think they will transform it and make it better. And I think that's why David and Patrick work. So, um, just to wrap it all up, JP, would you want a David and Patrick relationship? Yes. The long pause.
2: I know, the long pause. Uh, Schitt's Creek really provides several different relationships for us to look into. We could have spent this whole time analyzing Johnny and Moira, mm-hmm. or Alexis and Ted, or Alexis and Mutt.
1: Yeah, or we might circle back.
2: Jocelyn and... Roland oh my even. That would have been a very weird <laughs> podcast. You know, what
1: I give a lot of credit to Jocelyn and Roland. I think they have a great sex life. There's
2: lessons in all of them. I but n- no couple takes the rein on Shit's Creeks like David and Patrick do, right. but they don't have one person taking the lead, which is why they work and why that type of relationship is just they're so lucky to be in it. Mm-hmm. And I if I'm being honest, I think that where they're at in their age is a really great time to meet the love of your life. Yeah. Meeting someone there, by the time you're in your 30s, at least in my mind, the way that I I look at people in their 30s, I'm like, even if I know that they don't have all of their shit together, I just see them like, you just are more you yeah. you were comfortable in you mm-hmm. you've lived most of your life this way so now meeting someone it just makes sense and when I see people who are older starting relationships I want it to work when I see younger people starting relationships I like secretly I'm like mm, it's not gonna last long
1: right or like I hope that you still have time to figure yes. out you.
2: everyone is on a different path right. but I think for me I would enjoy that
1: yeah I agree I Would absolutely want a David Patrick relationship. Honestly, I think if you (laughs) would not be into a David Patrick relationship, I think you're a crazy bitch who lives for drama. (laughs) Um,
2: Which we love.
1: Which we love in some ways. (laughs) Um, And maybe I've even been that in my past of just not like living for drama, but wanting the... I think I'm coming to terms with that wanting the big epic will-they-won't-they-love story. Right.
2: Is- the, the You see the, the couple's fight. And I love that about New York. I love that about New York is you're you walking in the street and you see a couple having a full breakup fight yes. on the Cu- street.
1: In the street, in the park, Screaming. on the subway. Yes.
2: On the subway. Drama, you just see drama, it happening. Drama. And it's like the world around them does not exist. I love that. I and love and that. for so long, I wanted something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. And I remember having blow up fights on the subway and then, you know, uh, walking around the park the next day with my bagel being like, this is... <laughs> what I wanted. Um, but I think as I, <laughs> I am wanted. getting older, I want something more like this. I want someone who will order me pizza and tuck me in when I'm on Vicodin and <laughs> to hang out with my family and appreciate me even when I'm being my most extra opinionated, stubborn self.
2: And there will be someone there who sees all that extra stubborn self and doesn't think it's extra. They're like, oh, that's just you and your most truest form thanks jp you're welcome it's not me uh i i'm more of a david i'm not the one to make the first move i've already said that and um, i tend to have like a lot of walls up but the thing that i do think i'm good at is when i meet someone for the first time i don't put on a fake person mm-hmm. i do kind of introduce them to me I agree. Uh, but my my struggle is letting that stay
1: letting those walls down baby. and letting those walls down
2: so if you are out there and you think you're a Patrick and you think you could listen to this sexy, sexy voice for the rest of your
0: life.
1: I agree. I think you're going to need a Patrick. I I'm think gonna you're need- going to need someone who sees you where you're at and invites you to come take us take a step out of your comfort zone to come meet them where they are, but make it very safe for you.
2: Yeah. So if that's you, hit me up. And it's but- going to have to
1: be someone very stable. Stable and tall, but mostly look at me in the eyes. Stable.
2: (laughs) I know what you're referring to, (laughs) and I will have it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just going to be for me finding someone who wants, who is a full person and a partner to me. Because I think that's what they also bring each other is partnership. It is not fully one person fixing the other, it's someone who's fully formed and confident in themselves and is willing to take care of me as much as i want right. to take care of them i
2: don't think you're gonna have a will they won't they be the one that is i the, really
1: hope not so far it has not worked out well no
2: it, it it's fun in in the idea because it's right. like a fun game it's like you it's constantly changing when people are like what are you guys and you're like i don't, I know. don't know
1: and like We're everyone just always says this to me yeah i think i used to We're, get a lot of joy out of that and yeah exactly I'm, I'm so over it
2: i i think that for you you'll be like We'll all know. Like, I feel like that's how most people are going to be. Yeah.
1: I can't wait to give you the point and nod. I
2: know. One day. One day. One day. But until then.
1: Until then, you all have one more episode with me and JP. It is going to be a mailbag episode where we will be answering your questions about Schitt's Creek and David and Patrick and kind of wrapping everything up. So if you would like to ask us questions, you can find us on social media and we will be getting into it next week. Right. But until then... You know, go uh, enjoy, celebrate the David and Patrick's in your own life.
2: Rewatch the show. Rewatch
1: the show. It's a really great rewatch. There's a lot of
2: online content that's not the show.
1: Yes, I would actually on that, I really recommend there's a documentary at the end of the last Mm -hmm. season, which is so lovely. Such a lovely love letter to the show and everyone behind it and the actors and the general effect of the show on audience members so go enjoy that content and we will see you next week okay thank you so much for listening everyone this has been talking ship if you had a nice time we would be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast we're still a pretty new show so those stats really do help us out Thank you so much to J.P. Maddock for being my wonderful co-host this season. You can follow him on social media at J.PayPay. That's J-A-Y-P-A-E-P-A-E. You can find the podcast on social media too, at Talking Ship Podcast, for all kinds of content and updates. And if you'd like to follow me, I'm at Megan 815 on all the platforms. That's Megan with no H. No H. Talking Ship is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. So thank you to the whole team there for helping make this show happen. And thank you to Chris Meisner for composing our theme music that you're currently listening to. And that will fade out now.